and the great spot no more than a black stain near the center of its disk. Ahead lay darkness, utterly unrelieved, for his senses were far too coarse ever to detect the feeble light of the stars or the pale gleam of the circling planets. The only source of light he could ever know was dwindling from him. In a desperate effort to conserve his energy, he drew his body together into a tight, spherical cloud. Now he was almost as dense as air, but the electrostatic repulsion between his billions of constituent ions was too great for further concentration. When at last his strength weakened, they would disperse into space, and no trace of his existence would remain. He never felt the increasing gravitational pull from far ahead, and was unconscious of his changing speed. But presently, the first faint intimations of the approaching magnetic field reached his consciousness and stirred it into sluggish life. He strained his senses out into the darkness, but to a creature whose home was the photosphere of the sun, the light of all other bodies was billions of times too faint even to be glimpsed, and the steadily strengthening field through which he was falling was an enigma beyond the comprehension of his rudimentary mind. The tenuous outer fringes of the atmosphere checked his speed, and he fell slowly towards the invisible planet. Twice he felt a strange tearing wrench as he passed through the ionosphere. Then, no faster than a falling snowflake, he was drifting down through the cold, dense gas of the lower air. The descent took many hours, and his strength was waning when he came to a rest on a surface hard beyond anything he had ever imagined. The waters of the Atlantic were bathed with brilliant sunlight, but to him the darkness was absolute save for the faint gleam of the infinitely distant sun. For eons he lay, incapable of movement, while the fires of consciousness burned lower within him, and the last remnants of his energy ebbed away into the inconceivable cold. It was long before he noticed the strange new radiation pulsing far off in the darkness, radiation of a kind he had never experienced before. Sluggishly he turned his mind towards it, considering what it might be and whence it came. It was closer than he had thought, for its movement was clearly visible, and now it was climbing into the sky, approaching the sun itself. But this was no second sun, for the strange illumination was waxing and waning, and only for a fraction of a cycle was it shining full upon him. Nearer and nearer came that enigmatic glare, and as the throbbing rhythm of its brilliance grew fiercer, he became aware of a strange tearing resonance that seemed to shake the whole of his being. Now it was beating down upon him like a flail, tearing into his vitals and loosening his last hold on life itself. He had lost all control over the outer regions of his compressed but still enormous body. The end came swiftly. The intolerable radiance was directly overhead, no longer pulsing but pouring down upon him in one continuous flood. Then there was neither pain nor wonder, nor the dull longing for the great golden world he had lost forever. From the streamlined fairing beneath the great flying wing, the long pencil of the radar beam was sweeping the Atlantic to the horizon's edge. Spinning in synchronism on the plan position indicator, the faintly visible line of the time base built up a picture of all that lay beneath. At the moment, the screen was empty, for the coast of Ireland was more than 300 miles away. Apart from an occasional brilliant blue spot, which was all that the greatest surface vessel became from 50,000 feet, 
Nothing would be visible until, in three hours' time, the eastern seaboard of America began to drift into the picture. The navigator, checking his position continually by the North Atlantic radio lattice, seldom had any need for this part of the liner's radar. But to the passengers, the big Skyatron indicator on the promenade deck was a source of constant interest, especially when the weather was bad and there was nothing to be seen below but the undulating hills and valleys of the cloud ceiling. There was still something magical, even in this age, about a radar landfall. No matter how often one had seen it before, it was fascinating to watch the pattern of the coastline forming on the screen, to pick out the harbours and the shipping, and presently the hills and rivers and lakes of the land beneath. To Edward Lindsay, returning from a week's leave in Europe, the plan position indicator had a double interest. Fifteen years ago, as a young coastal command radio observer in the